Hello, my name is Michael McLennan, and welcome to COVID Matters, the podcast produced by COVID Aid. In this episode, we're speaking to Thomas Lawson, the chief executive of Turn to Us. They're a UK national charity which provides information and financial support to help people get back on track. Thomas has had a long history in the charity sector, including at Leap Confronting Conflict, Prisoners Abroad, the Terence Higgins Trust, and much more. It was great to be able to speak to him in detail about how the pandemic has affected so many financially and about the support that can help people in poverty at this time. Here's our entry, and I'll be back afterwards to tell you a bit more about Turn to Us and about COVID aid. So it's fantastic to speak to you today. It'd be great to start off to know a bit more about your role and how it was going before the pandemic and how it then changed. Thanks, Michael. Um, so I've been the chief executive for Turn to Us for coming up for two and a half years. I've been the chief exec for a year. And uh, as many people will tell you, the first year of a new chief exec job can be pretty intense. Um, and we were kind of refining the purpose of the organisation. So we've concluded that actually what we really want to do is to support people by offering really high quality information and direct support in the form of individual grants uh, to people when they face a life-changing event that's got a financial shock. Now, that was pretty prescient because COVID ended up being a huge financial shock for millions of people across the UK, uh, as you know, a lot of people went on furlough and lost a fifth of their income. Uh, and for people on lower incomes, that was the fifth that might be able to buy a Christmas present or even a meal out. So we've seen lots of people experience pretty sudden uh, experiences of very severe financial shocks. And, and, and so the last year and a half has been very intense. And um, we offer benefit calculations on our benefit calculator. Um, and we supported something like 250,000 people last year to claim an additional £1.2 billion worth of benefits that they would not have claimed otherwise. We made about £4 million worth of grants directly to families and individuals who had experienced shocks as a result of COVID. And we also have a uh, another few tools. One is a search tool to help people find grants that other individual grant makers make. And we have a lot of very high quality information on our website that 8.8 million people used in the last year as well. Mm -hmm. So we, we saw very quickly at the beginning of the first lockdown, a very, very steep increase in, in uses of our, of our information. We went from 5,000 normal benefit calculations a day to 50,000 a day. We had to buy extra server space to be able to manage the traffic. Um, and we saw a pretty significant increase in requests for the grants that we make. And so we launched a new COVID grant of uh, getting £500 into people's bank accounts really quickly. Uh, I think the quickest we managed was a three-hour gap between the application and making the grant, but normally within about 10 days. So um, it was a very, very intense period, and I have to be deeply grateful to uh, not only the staff with whom uh, I, I get to have the pleasure of being a colleague, but also the people who were experiencing those financial hardships helped us to dramatically improve the design, the delivery, and indeed the evaluation of our work so that we know that um, we can improve the impact of our work. So we, we work with a, what, a lot of people with that lived experience of financial hardship who we call co-production partners. Um, in, in redesigning our work to achieve better impact. What are the types of hardships that people can be experiencing? And, and did you notice a shift in that as the pandemic first hit and then has you know um, evolved over the kind of months? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of ways of talking about that. So, so, so normally um, a financial shock tends to have one 
or both of two kind of experiences. One is a sudden decrease in income or a sudden increase in cost. So if you imagine um, the disablement of the main breadwinner in a house, for example, suddenly you've got a lot more costs in order to make their house uh, more navigable and accessible, but you've also probably received a significant decrease in income. Uh, so th those are the those are things. It could be the birth of a third child, it could be redundancy, it could be bereavement, it could be serious illness. Um, so so many things create. Uh, there's so many life changing events create those financial shocks. I think what we saw during COVID, um, and this is a slightly different answer to your question, was that there were a lot of people who were experiencing the storm in a much more severe way. So we were all in the same storm, but we were in different boats, right? So um, we noticed that a little over 50% of kind of white families had experienced a, a drop in income, uh, but that compared to 88% of Bangladeshi families. And that's probably because um, of the way in which the economy works. So uh, I work in a charity as a full-time employee, and when I'm sick, that charity will pay my sick leave and gives me holiday leave. But people who are on zero-hour contracts, who are Uber drivers, who, who cannot rely on their employer for paying that. So we think about them kind of being in the secondary economy. And, and so a lot of people who experience very severe social barriers in life, whether it be racism or sexism or disablism, often experience uh, concomitant kind of economic barriers alongside that. So we saw a really, you know, I, I, you know there were a lot of research that showed the very disproportionate unfairness, um, the, you know, the veil of respectability was ripped hard away during COVID. So we saw that a lot more. But there, there's been a, a kind of a really striking kind of disparity around wealth as well. So this, is, this isn't so much about income. So a lot of people who haven't been going on holidays, who haven't been going to restaurants or theatres or using camps, um, have ended up securing quite a lot more um, savings. So we've seen a, something like £190 billion worth of additional savings uh, compared to the previous time last year. But we've also seen a huge increase in people running into debt. And our own research shows that um, a huge number of people are running out of money every month now um, because furlough kind of the four-fifths of income doesn't cover it and associated with that we've seen nearly half 44 uh, percent of people experiencing very severe distress and anxiety as a result of that as well so it's a very it's a very unequal um uh, distribution of the impact of covid so, so it's really helpful to kind of think about you know we're all in the same storm but some of us are not in the same boat at all I saw you speaking at an event and I think you said, I've written this down to try and get it right, that more than one in five of us are running out of money always or most of the time. And I think that is it around 11 million people in the UK and an additional, you know, over 4 million people in the past year, yeah, um, which is just it's, it's shocking to, to think about that really in terms of the effect that has had. Yes. And, and it's also compounded that, you know, since, the 2008 crash, what we've seen is that wages have stagnated. Uh, and so people who relied on income uh, rather than wealth have had a material kind of deterioration in terms of their standard of living. But people who have 
property and you know i own my own house well actually the mortgage company was a good chunk of it but i've got a bit of it uh, and people who have kind of shares and things have seen their wealth grow dramatically in the last 10 years so whilst benefits payments have been suppressed uh, wages have been suppressed and people who rely on that kind of income has seen a deterioration in their lives. So, and then on top of that, you know, there's an additional four million people running into debt as a result of the last year. So you can really see the kind of the divergence of uh, of, 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 of you know quality of life in the UK. Mm-hmm. I think you spoke about the fact that in terms of going into poverty, that if you are if you have a disability, if you're a female, if you're from a black Asian minority community, then you're much more likely to be affected as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So if you are already minoritized by the kind of the majority society, you are going to experience a higher incidence of financial exclusion. And and there's just data to support that very, very robustly, as we've seen over the last, you know, over the last year, it's been covered very well. Yeah, and the people that we have seen most affected are black and Asian and other minoritized communities, uh, basically on the on the on the color of their skin. Um, certainly, disabled people have had a much you know, people who identify as disabled have got a had a much more severe impact on COVID. And and then women. Um, that's the other striking thing is you know particularly single mums more than single dads. So um, you know who have had to try and navigate flexible working whilst caring uh, and, and so are more likely to be on um, flexible contracts and those flexible contracts have been the easiest to kind of pull out for, pull out for, uh, from you know under your feet by, by employers the uh, the other group that we've seen but very much more recently and there was a very good bit of information from the resolution foundation is that as people are being brought off furlough quite quickly at the moment that that's going well but people who are being left on furlough and therefore are more likely to be made redundant at the end of furlough are the um, those at the ends of their careers so tend to be older people and there has been helpfully an encouraging pickup in the employment of younger people who were very badly affected during the original lockdown but there are some concerns about people towards the end of their career and in terms of with uh, the support from government and, and other types of authorities how do you think the response has been in terms of financial support and, and what more could be done yeah I, listen I think the um, the speed with which our government responded uh, in terms of you know providing the furlough scheme and the self-employment support scheme um, w- was good, but the, the the complexity of our labour market made it next to impossible for any anyone, our government or other people, to be, to design the perfect system. And of course, a lot of people fell through the net. Uh, people who had, for example, only set up their self-employment in the previous year didn't get any self-employment scheme, uh, any support. Um, so the, the so I think uh, generally a really great start. The £20 uplift to the universal credit was really, really badly needed because, as I described earlier, um, that the benefits have not increased with inflation over the last 10 years. Um, people on legacy benefits, the benefits that aren't universal credit that have been around a lot longer uh, and lots of people are moving on to universal credit, did not get that £20 uplift. Um, and so those people on legacy benefits did not experience that. We are very concerned about the the potential end to that twenty pound uplift, uh, particularly what we know about what's happened to you know to um, incomes over the last ten years, and we're expecting something like an extra two hundred and fifty thousand children to end up in severe financial hardship as a result of the end of that twenty pounds. Twenty pound may not seem 
like a lot to many people. But if it's if it's the you know if, if it's that top bit of money that it means that you can go to the supermarket instead of the food bank, you can begin to see how twenty pounds in one week makes a huge amount of difference. Um, and we must be uh, deeply concerned that as a as a the fifth wealthiest country in the world, that fourteen and a half million of us, twenty percent of us, don't have enough money to get by on, um, and the in huge increases of numbers of people going to food banks for food for basic requirements um, is unacceptable and there's and that profoundly erodes people's dignity and and that, and that is not acceptable really in our society um, and and the challenge for particularly parents but but anyone experiencing uh, financial hardship is that it is exhausting okay and so trying to work out how do i get food on the table tonight that's all you're going to be thinking about you're not going to be able to be thinking about well as well as kind of trying to work out this immediate and very pressing problem i'm also going to work out how i can apply for that job and also sort out can i get a better deal on my utilities it's, it's that and we know that i don't know if anyone you know if you're if you've been given a deadline for work you just stop looking at your emails you put your phone aside all you're doing is doing that one thing because you've got to deliver that by a certain point and that's the same kind of stress it's called tunneling uh, that we that we go into when we need to do something as pressing as get food on the table tonight and we also know that when we're under that level of stress we have got less kind of self-control and that's true for everyone um, and when we're under stress at work for example faced with a chocolate and apple we're likely to go for chocolate uh, because that is, uh, you know, that, I'm not thinking about my health right now. I just need this, um, and and so we can see people lose kind of self control or executive control, and that people tunnel when they're under stress. And and if you're under that prolonged stress for a very long time, it has a very bad effect on our cortisol levels in our bodies, uh, and that can affect the, the our, our our physical and mental health too. So that's, it's not surprising for us. That when there are so many people going into debt that we've seen 44 percent of those people experiencing severe anxiety for people who have family members or friends or loved ones who they think may be struggling is there a best way for them to be able to support them yeah sure talk talk about it right um there's this discourse uh, not so badly in scotland i have to say scotland is a bit better but in a, a, a lot of the uk there's this discourse that if you're poor it's your fault it's because you're lazy and you don't know how to manage budgets it's just not true it's not true and we know that because if it was just uh, about people being lazy then it wouldn't be a disproportionate number of people who are black or minoritized ethnic communities it wouldn't be a disproportionate number of women it wouldn't be a disproportionate number of disabled people and it wouldn't be 20 percent of us um so clearly it's systemic and so we should stop a feeling like it's our fault that we haven't got enough money and we should stop judging other people for it so talk about it because that will immediately make it easier and secondly recommend people come to turn to us org.uk and look at our benefits calculator you may well be eligible for more benefits than you're getting um, and the, the moment that you lose your employment start claiming benefits there's a five-week delay until you get your first benefits payment don't think i'm not going to apply i'm going to get another job apply today apply today and go and use our benefits calculator to work out how much you can get um so that because we should be proud of our benefit system I, I, if i um if I broke my ankle and I'd go to A and E, I would be, you know, bloody relieved that the A and E department could help me with my broke my my broken ankle. But I would also be proud that I'm part of a country that has, you know, free at the point of access healthcare. Why are we not equally proud 
uh, that when I lose my job, uh, that there is also you know a brilliant benefit system that stops me from falling into deep poverty and penury. Um, I should be proud to live in a country that cares about people's ability to buy food. Um, so we should be proud of our benefit system instead of ashamed of it. In terms of looking at the past uh, well, 16 months now, has there been anything that's uh, surprised you in a positive way and and how people have supported each other uh, during the pandemic? I think a couple of things. One is, you know, there, we, we have, most of us had to have suddenly become much more local, right? We're staying on our streets or in our local areas and we've become, uh, we, we've come to know our neighbours in a better way. It's a good thing. It's it's nice to know that. And, and we are certainly being more helpful to one another and less judgmental. I think that is good. Um, I think the other thing is that so many people have has suddenly had to use our, our benefit system, that they are beginning to change that perception that people who claim benefits are lazy. Um, it, this can happen to most of us, actually, you know, so a, a, a financial shock can happen to all of us. Um, and so we should stop judging one another and instead be supporting each other to thrive and, and have wonderful lives in one of the richest countries in the world. With that in mind, what would you say, uh, you know, from this point onwards, what's your main kind of hopes and concerns? So one hope is that um, we listen to people who have experienced financial hardship instead of judging them, uh, and that we redesign, redesign our, our social security system, and we uh, build a more inclusive economy so that we haven't got a kind of primary and a secondary economy. Um, and that we really, you know, I, I often think that this is that, you know, there are so many people who are being prevented from being able to contribute their insight, talent and potential to our society and to our economy. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were all being able to do that with as much ease as someone who went to Eton and Oxford? Uh, that would be great. Uh, and then we'd have quite an amazing country, I think. Um, so even more amazing than it is now. So I hope that we have a more inclusive economy um, and that we have a benefit system that is easier to use and less judgmental. And then finally, uh, for those who are wanting to support Turn to Us, uh, what can they do? Please come to our website and make a donation. We make donations uh, and grants to families, and we've got really strong evidence that that takes that family out of a financial crisis really swiftly. So even three months later, they're no longer in a financial crisis compared to those to whom we don't offer support. Uh, so please do come and support our work. That would be great. Thank you so much to Thomas for speaking to us. If you want to find out more about Turn To Us, or if you want to point people there, then their website address is turntous.org.uk. That is turntous.org.uk. COVIDAID is the UK's new national charity set up to support all of those who've been significantly affected by COVID-19. We launched in May 2021, and it would be great to have you as part of our community. You can find us at covidaidcharity.org, that is covidaidcharity.org, or wherever you are on social media. And also, there are more episodes of COVID Matters that you can check out on podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with a new episode soon. And until then, take care.